Is there a doctor in the house? Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shin. It's a very exciting day here in uh, the Radio Free Brooklyn studios. I actually have a guest from L.A. who's only in town for a couple of days. Can you believe it? We have a, a guest that's like just visiting and spending part of their visiting time here in uh, in Brooklyn, in Bushwick, in Buttfuck Bushwick. Um, so anyway, I want to get started in a minute, but before we get started, you know the deal. I gotta help you guys. Have to donate money. Donate money to Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, you just go to the station through Patreon. And the thing is, if you only donate like a dollar a month, you can you can really help us out. That's like nothing. That's like nothing. You can't be that poor. And then you can. We're like doing all this shit. It's a nonprofit. Come on, so help us out. And we uh, are. Uh, Doing media education, literacy workshops for local teens so they won't turn into, like, drug addicts and rob you. We're doing new music showcases for Brooklyn bands and live broadcasts of local festivals and events. And we are there. You know there's going to be a lot of local festivals and events coming up very, very soon. Uh, There's our station director, Tom Tenney, bringing in – uh, what is in there, Tom? Don't even ask. Don't even ask. Don't even ask. Okay, I hope it's not explosives. No, I just, it's only here till I find somewhere to hide the body. Oh, okay. It's only here till he finds somewhere to hide, hide the body. Okay, great. So, anyway, I want to tell you who's on the show today. It's Anne Hirsch. And Anne Hirsch um, is a remarkable artist, somebody who uh, I've held in. Very high esteem since the uh, moment I saw her perform. I think the first time I met you, Anne, say hi, Anne, Anne Hirsch. Wasn't the first time I met you um, when you were doing um, the show at Fluxus? Yeah, Yeah. I don't think it was on. Oh, shit, really? It's number three, right? Yeah. Okay. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Make Um, sure your mouth. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Make sure your mouth is closed. Um, yeah, I think yeah, the first time good. I met you was at Flux Factory. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that performance was so funny. What was it? I'm trying to remember. I think that was the performance where I talked about how to get on reality television. <gasps> oh, yeah, that was so great. That was so great. That was a great night. Did Angela curate that night? Yeah. Angela Washko. Shout out to Angela Washko. <laughs> we were just talking about you and, and how great you are and how 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 kind of poignant it is that you guys don't see each other, you know, you and Anne being such close friends, but, you know, having, I'm sure you guys live on in each other's work every single day. Okay, there you go. Um, so I've known Anne for quite a while. I don't remember what year was that. Was that? That, was, like, that might have been 2011. Really? Okay, yeah. And uh, shout out to Phil Bueller, who also did a great uh, performance at night on Major Zipper. Shout out Phil Bueller. Um, and uh, Anne and I, uh, I would say that uh, we see eye to eye on a lot of things and have a very similar sense of humor, I'd yeah, say. Right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And aesthetics. And I find Anne's work really interesting. There's a lot of psychology and performance and fun, funny, funny and serious, kind of like me. Um. So, Anne is in town because, Anne? So, I 
Uh, I'm having a solo show with my gallery at American Medium. It's called A Formidable Daughter, and it opens Friday. It's at American Medium, which is in Bed-Stuy, 424 Gates Avenue, uh, 7 to 10. And that's tomorrow, which is February 12th. Yes. To those. And how long will the show be up? I don't know. Well, a couple of weeks. A couple uh, of weeks. I think, a, I think maybe a month and a half. Okay. Well, if you're listening to Something this like, like in June of 2016, you missed yeah. it. All right? Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, you know, Ann and I were chatting before the show, and we know each other pretty well, and uh, we're, we have some stuff we want to cover. Ann said she want to ask me some questions too, but we're going to see where it goes. But – uh, I thought we would start out with um, – Anne just had a big show in L.A. where she actually moved. What she did was she met a really great guy here and shout out Gene <laughs> and hashtag Gene. Yeah. What's his last name? I can't remember. Uh, McHugh. McHugh. You didn't change your last name, did you? No. And, uh, and uh, anyway um, – so she met this really great guy, and then uh, he got a job out in L.A. and stole Anne from us in Bushwick. Uh, but they're both really happy out there, and they've got a great lifestyle and great weather and all that other happy – like on Facebook, it's nauseating. They look really freaking happy. <laughs> I kind of can't handle it sometimes. But but I am really happy if they if anybody deserves it, those, those two do because they fucking work their asses off and they're smart. But anyway, so I thought we'd just start with talking about the show that kind of led up to the show, the show that you did in L.A. And so why don't you explain that? Because that has to do with the therapist office in your childhood. So it, it really works well with our theme here. Yeah, so that show um, at Smart Objects was called Dr. Gutman's Office. And Dr. Gutman was my childhood uh, psychiatrist that I went to for four years, ages 8 to 12. And... What I would do in her office is I would obsessively draw women over and over and over, like the variation of this same woman. And I think, you know, by the end, I must have amassed thousands of these drawings. And it's really because of her, this psychiatrist that I had, that I ended up getting into art. Uh, So I was thinking about these drawings and looking back at them and realizing that even at age eight, age nine, uh, I was obsessed with female imagery and what it meant to be a woman. Um, so. Do you, so wait, let me just ask something. So were you drawing those pictures as part of your therapy? Was your analyst or therapist analyzing them? Or was that what, – what, what, what was the motivation be- behind you drawing those pictures? Um, so I guess I really didn't want to see a therapist at that age. Um, yeah, no <laughs> yeah. kidding. Yeah, so I would come into her office and she saw adults. So she would have like an adult area with the, you know, Freud lounge and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to be there. And I love she, those. I got one of those. No, I like those. Now I like those. Yeah, and great. Then in the back room, she would have, it was like a kid's playroom. So you could do anything. She had toys and games, anything you wanted to do. And I always just gravitated to, towards pulling out a paper and... So did she talk to you while you were doing it? She would try. Um, she would try and ask me questions, and I would just really give one-word answers probably mm-hmm. for three years. Mm-hmm. So for three years, I went to her office. I would obsessively draw. She would ask me questions, and I would give her one-word answers. And do you, do, you, do you remember in your own mind why you were drawing what you were drawing? I just wanted to. But do you remember, like, what the significance? Did you guys ever talk about that? Like, did she ever – we should get her on the phone. I mean, did you ever figure out why the, why you were drawing that same woman or who that woman was? Was it an adult woman to you? 
was maybe a 20 something young 20 something you know it like was bar- who's barbie young, yeah bart barbie type woman um she never the only thing she would consistently ask me um is if i had any dreams lately because she's actually also a trained psychoanalyst mm-hmm. um but besides that, we never talked about much of the content. And you don't of the remem- remember, didn't resonate, doesn't like, you're not like, oh, I wanted to be a sexual, be- well, or whatever. You no. wanted boys? Was it, a, a, it nothing like that? It was more just like who I wanted to be. I, I was drawing the girls that I wanted, that I wished I could be, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, had this idealized notion of what a woman was, and this is what I want to be like. Mm. That makes sense. So, um, wait, there was one more question um, that I wanted to ask. Um, the drawing. So, yes. Yeah, so, what, what, like, what motivated your parents to send you, you of all people, who I wouldn't expect now to a shrink as a child? Well, it's so funny because, um, yeah, whenever my friends who know me, who, who have only known me as an adult, and I tell them mm-hmm. what I was like as a child, they can't believe it. I was. I never talked. I was insanely anxious. Um, Mm -hmm. I was throwing up all the time. I was so anxious. I was painfully shy. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think my mom, my mom is also a psychiatrist. Oh, right. Yeah, I knew that. And she was like, oh, you know, Anne has a lot of anxiety and we should send her to someone. Did they ever figure that out? That I had anxiety. Or what was causing it? Um, No. I mean, it's all pretty... I mean, who who knows why why we have anxiety? Um, but do you think it was like it could just be biology? You know, maybe you're just or just your nature. I think it's part genetic for sure. There's a lot yeah. of mental illness in my family, but I think it was also um, the environment that I was growing up in and how I, as a person, adapted to that environment. Uh, I think it was a high, it was a high stress environment. There was a lot of mean? pressure on me to perform well. What all do you the mean, time. like competitive school, private school? Yeah, private school. Oh shit. Yeah, Jewish day school. Oh shit, private Jewish day school. Yeah. Oh man. So very, very, very strict. Um, a lot of rules. It was really, really an intense. And did you scary feel like place. you needed to like live up to your parents' expectations? Yeah, I think my parents' expectations and the expectations of the Jewish community, because <laughs> it's there's a lot of expectate like within the Jewish community, uh, there's a lot of expectations. On, was it on how it. Jew? How Jew was it? Was it uh, was it conservative Jewish? It, it was conservative. Jewish. Did the boys wear yarmulkes? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's a lot of conforming. Yeah. It was a lot of for a non for a basically non-conforming person. I find yeah. it interesting that your mom, like her response was to as a psychiatrist herself, or psychiatrist doctor. She She's a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, would send you to a to a therapist. Um, at, you know, like that. Like, I wonder if she wasn't in the field, if she would have done that. Probably not. Yeah, I think not. Yeah, because I think a lot of kids have a lot of problems when they're younger and they don't deal with them. And then when they're adults, they're fucked up. <laughs> so do you feel like going to therapy at that age helped you? Oh, it changed my life. Oh, really? I That's interesting. I would not be the person I was today. Well, how did it help you? Um, I just I, The main thing is that she got me into art. Um, she, told oh. my, I, she told my parents at some point, hey, Annie is drawing a lot. You should send her, give her art lessons. And, and that's how I got that's how I got into art and Art is really the way that I really have conquered all my problems. Mm, mm. Yes, art is healing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's interesting. Huh. I wonder, I mean, I'm not, 
I'm not trying to critique your parents' uh, parenting, but if they had just automatically sent you to art school instead, do you think it would have worked out the same? No, because I never – I didn't go to art school really until grad school. I always liked – No, but like art classes after school um, or encouraged you artistically? It could have been. Um, but I think also my this therapist, she is one of – to this day, one of the most brilliant women I've ever met. Ah. And the way she understood me um, and could tell me things about myself, no one really has able been able to do that. Since. Oh, interesting. Um, so she told you a lot of stuff about yourself at that age? Uh, when I was – so I, I saw her from ages 8 to 12. And uh, I think as I got older, she would. Um, and then I went – I had a hard time when I was um, a senior in high school and I went back to see her when I was like 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so weird going then and her telling me things about myself when I was 8 and how it's still the same when I was 16. Wow, and, that's awesome. Um, so was she, that, she just that gave was me a, a window to myself that no one has been able to do ever since. Wow. That is so cool. It's yeah. like an investment. She's expensive, so. <laughs> well, no. An, yeah, an investment and even the time. But uh, that that's great. So, so basically, um, I think we're trying to tell parents of young children that forget about all the social media photographs and videos. Just take your kid to a shrink and then you can have it all fed back later. Well, I think well, it depends on the shrink. I think you have so to find too. the right match. Yeah, like me. No. Yes. No. You should you should be certified. <laughs> no, I should. Yeah, but not for therapy as a crazy person. Maybe. Um so okay, so that's uh that's interesting, right? So we 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 get a sense of uh so tell us about the show, the show that's opening tomorrow and So the show that's opening tomorrow has more of these drawings that I did um, in Dr. Gutman's office, um, but I'm just kind of recontextualizing them. Um, The gallery will be more set up. uh, It'll look less like a gallery space and more like a domestic space. Mm -hmm. Um, Meaning like a living room? Yeah, like a living room or a dining room or something. A family space. Not yeah, a, it'll look mm-hmm. more like a family space, mm-hmm. um, but kind of twisted a bit. And are some of the works going to be the same or? Uh, no, I think they have like a little window space and some of those will be the same. But mm-hmm. um, in the gallery, it's all new. Different so ones. are they work that you've made recently or work um, from your childhood or both? or? So the paintings are basically painted versions of these childhood drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's drawings that – there's one drawing that I've done recently, mm-hmm. which is like kind of in conversation with the painted drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's actually two video pieces. Oh. And, and there's one video piece um, where I have old family footage of me mm-hmm. as a young girl. And mm-hmm. uh, I found That's some – adorable. I found some weird things that I – said as a six-year-old. And really? Can you give us a teaser? Um, there's like one part where like on a family vacation and uh, uh, I'm holding like a bra up with mm-hmm. and filling it with a towel and I'm going like something like, I'm a woman or something. Was it your mom's bra or your bra? Oh, it was my mom's bra. Oh, okay. I was, I was six. So oh, okay. Definitely not yours. Yeah. But you knew what they were for. And all that. Yeah, and I guess the kind of the theme of this family video is that I'm obsessed with bras. So I just talk oh. continuously about bras. 
Ah, interesting. They are really, breasts are really weird for little girls. You know, when I was a little girl, I used to think, because we grew up in Manhattan until I was like eight, but I used to think that like how store mannequins had plastic breasts. I thought that's like women wore high heels and plastic breasts. (laughs) You know, that was like somehow the same thing. But um, so I'm curious to know, like, what what kind of emotional impact has having the last show and and doing this now? Like, what going back and revisiting? Are the paintings new? Are those? Are you making new work in conversation with the childhood work? That's what it sounds. Some of it's new. Some of it's from you. Well, so the paintings are new, but they're based on old drawings. Right. So it's sort of you're making work. And you have it's a it's a, it's all in there, so how do you like what's how how's that affecting you? That's what I'm curious about. Um, I feel I have always put myself in my work. Um, yes, and, and it and it never felt narcissistic until no. now. Really? Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, because it's so because I feel like with some a lot of my other projects, it's about me, but it also is about a larger. Um, social thing that's happening or something mm-hmm. like that. But when this, it's Because so a lot of them use like technology and online relationships and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? Just yeah. trying to clarify it for our listeners. Uh, yes. And with this show, it's so specifically about me. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, I don't know. But What makes you feel narcissistic? Like what, what, what about it? Um, just that it's a navel gazing or something. Um, but I think that's just my own internal social thing. Do you do you feel like this is somehow like more vulnerable because it's so there is no it's so basic in, in the sense of that it's just you and what you make with your own hands? Yeah. I think it's just because it's so it's just so specifically looking at my specific ha- past as opposed mm-hmm. to like a broader past, which mm-hmm. I think I've done in previous projects. But but don't you think um, other people – like when I hear you talk about it, I think about, you know, the drawings I made as a kid and what they meant and how they affected me and stuff like that. I mean don't you – I don't – I mean me personally, just my opinion, it seems like it could be equally as broad for anybody that made drawings as a kid and that's pretty much everybody. Um do you, but it's interesting that you do. You, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, do, yeah. Do you see it that I mean, it feels narcissistic to you, but I'm saying yeah. I'm not sure it is. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying is that it feels, feels the most narcissistic, right. but I don't think it. it I don't uh, think it no, truly no. is. I think that's just my own. But I can problem. see how you feel more vulnerable is also what yeah. I'm saying. Like, it's yeah. pretty exposing to bring out because you're what you're doing is putting a little girl on display yeah. to some degree. So, what did was there anything you learned from the show in LA? That's related to the show, of course. But is there anything you learned there by putting your work out there about yourself that was interesting to you or how you um, – have you processed that yet? It's pretty recent. That show was actually a little less biographical because I also had a bunch of videos from my um, most recent online video project. Mm-hmm. Um, which are more just about like being a woman on the internet and dealing mm-hmm. with pornography. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this show is very is much more biographical in the sense that like my family is kind of implicitly mm-hmm. in it or mm-hmm. implied in it. Mm-hmm. And in the other show, they weren't really. Mm-hmm. Um, How are you feeling about it? Are, is your family coming to the opening or the show? No. No. Because they live in Baltimore. Um, and they're busy. They, they, are ha- very, they have very busy. They have careers. Yes. Um, and, and then 
and then a lot of other things. And a lot of and a lot of other things. Jesus, you know, they can't just like pick up for every opening every time their well, daughter. No. They they wanted to come. And I'm I, sure. I didn't want them to come. Re- really fascinating. Why is that? Well, I really like my parents. I love them a yes. lot. But I don't want the two worlds of my family world and my professional world as an artist to mix. It just It's like if you bring together two different groups of friends. It's just awkward. It's like that. Hmm. It's like, is it because oh, of the work or because of just really the social? Um, it's it's both. both. Like if they come to New York, you know, they're suburbanites. Oh, uh, you're going to have to babysit yeah, them. I I oh, wanna, I get it. I don't want to babysit them. I don't want to have to worry about them. I want to do what I want to do. Oh, uh, you and all your friends you haven't seen in so long. So you want to yeah. come here, have a few drinks, act ridiculous, yeah. reminisce. And if your parents are there. I don't want to have to worry about yeah. them. Yeah. And then yeah, no kidding. I mean, Jesus. That I get it. Did you explain it to them that way? Um, I have about because I had a show recently at MIT, and they really oh, yes. wanted to come to that. And I just said, please don't. I don't want to have to. Like, I'm going to be, you know, wow. meeting new people. And I just said, I don't uh, want you wow. there and have to worry about you being there. Wow. Is there something? It, okay. So here. So is there something in there that you? wished okay if they're listening to this you've done a great your parents have done a great job with you they 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 really have so i have I, all I the agree. respect in the world for them but i'm just curious if is it do you wish that they would sort of take care of themselves more or like they could come and show up and then leave or um, or is that just totally unrealistic i think that's just unrealistic okay you can't have your parents come somewhere and just ignore them. You know? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. They, um, they're, they are pretty self-sufficient. I think it just might be my own. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I can understand that. My own guilt. So are you, are you, um, what are you in, how do you feel like now about the show coming up? How are you in, feeling about anticipating it? Like, um, It's a weird feeling because I lived here for five, in New York for five years and mm-hmm. um, and then I left. So it's weird to kind of be back, and I feel like my work has grown a lot. So I built something here, and then I kind of left it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what's kind of going to happen. So do you mean like as far as like as part of the anticipation, not just about the work, it's about like say the people who will come and the people who are going to come and who you haven't seen and who may come and who may not. And I mean we all go through that, right? Yeah, and if people will understand the work, appreciate the work. Um. Yeah, the reception to the work too. So all these people haven't seen your work in a long time are going to come and see your work, and then like you have no you you can't control that. No one can. No. We all get nervous about that. Is it more nerve wracking because you don't you're coming back you're you're having a homecoming so to that's such a corny word so to speak. Yeah, I think so. And I'm not good. I've never been good at keeping in touch with people. So, like, mm-hmm. once I moved to New York, it was very much like, all right, see ya. I'm gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think there's going to be a lot of angry people going, where were you? No. <laughs> no. No. Um, because I was back here over the holidays, and I was like, oh, my God, I have so many friends here. I yeah. kind of actually really love it here. Yeah. Yeah. You're bi-coastal, really. Let's put it that way. No, I, I'm definitely now settled in L.A. Yeah, but everyone in L.A. is, you know, comes they, – they all show up here. Yeah, they all, that's they all, true. They, they all, all come here. They all show they up here. To. You have to. You have Sooner to or later, you have a reason to come here. That's true. Yeah. So um, 
yeah so the, i think um i think that uh i think it's it sounds it sounds exciting it sounds exciting do i get to ask you questions now okay well first i'm curious have you talked about um your most recent performance where i was naked the artist is what's it called the artist is humbly the, present. The artist is, have you talked about that on this show yet? I have a little bit. Um, well, no, I have because last week um, – actually, I wasn't pla- – whatever. I'm so narcissistic too. Let's say it. No, so I wasn't planning on it but I had a last-minute cancellation of a comedian. So I had the gallerist, Christopher Stout, come on and we talked about it. You know, the gallerist who's gallery. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, mostly I got some – like what I realized from talking to him was that because I was sitting on it, for those of you who haven't heard this or are listening in or whatever, or for whatever reason, I did this performance. It was like two weekends ago where uh, I made fun of an, an original performance that Marina Bramovic did at MoMA in 2010 where called The Artist is Present, where she sat in the atrium along with her retrospective, sat in the atrium of MoMA in a gown or a robe, really, and had people come and sit across from her in another chair. And she did that for like three months, and it was an endurance thing, blah, blah, blah. So um, I've decided to make fun of that because I think Marina um, hasn't done hasn't done hasn't shown integrity with the money she's made and the celebrity she's gotten and used her as a symbol to make fun of and uh, called my piece, The Artist is Humbly Present. So I mimicked her piece, except I was naked on a toilet with another toilet that other people could come and sit on. Um, So what I found out from talking to Christopher Stout last weekend, or last last Thursday, I mean, was that um, his experience was really interesting to me because his experience was outside the gallery, outside the room that I was sitting in, sort of on the doorway between the outside and where I was. And um, I had a great experience and a really interesting experience, but it was very singular to me in the sense that I was I was there in that room with those people sort of in a meditation kind of state for the whole time. So he was reporting on what was going on the other side of the wall and, you know, just what the press, there were press people and all those kind of conversations. That's what it was like. It was interesting for me. Had you ever done a nude piece before? Um, I have been naked in public a bunch of times, mostly for other people who need a naked person. I don't mind being naked in public. Um, I don't have a real strong feeling about it one way or another. I don't, you know, it's funny because, like, I don't like wearing bikinis or anything. Like, I'm not, like, in love with showing my body off. Like, I wear a a one-piece to the beach. I always have. So, but I'm fine about nudity. Yeah. Did So, how did it feel for you, um, you know, being in in a... very vulnerable position because not only you're naked, you're on the toilet. Right, right, right. Um, you know, I kind of like um, was so in the moment, like, you know, you've performed. Anybody who's performed understands that about like performing, right? How in the moment you are when you're because you're making the art in the moment, right? So I really wasn't I was not really self-conscious. I mean, I've done other performances where you have an outcome, you know, where you expect to say something or 
you know, you know, where you're on the spot. I mean, even, you know, this radio show, though I'm really unselfconscious right now, you still have to make it interesting for other people. Whereas that was completely devoid of that because my whole job was just to sit there and do nothing. And it was really kind of easy that way. And were you, was the piece also referencing the fact that I think Marina, she had like a catheter or something under her robe so she could like pee and poop and stuff. So you were just kind of like lifting that curtain. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that's a really good point. I mean, that is a really funny aspect of it is that um, she, the number one question that people asked about her performance, because if you didn't know it, she sat there every day for nine hours, how she how she went to the bathroom. I think she, someone told me she had um, there were, like bags on her, like there was, her legs and she was like peeing into them. There bags. was drawings of it. Yeah. Uh, there were like diagrams made. It was so, when she was doing that, it was hilarious how people focused on that, which is, yeah, so I just had the toilet, right? <laughs> yeah. So funny, right? But you didn't actually go to the bathroom. No, right no, there was no plumbing. Right. And, no, it but the thing is, Marina, um, I've read enough to know, I think what Marina was saying is that she prepared for a month to like not eat and drink a lot. I think she, I think she'd like you to believe that there was no need to yeah. to relieve herself. Yeah, which is quite an achievement. I got to give it to her. It's possible. <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, like, I find it so funny that after doing the research on her performance, is that that's something that people that it, it's like a stupid detail. That um, she actually would have, I think, creatively, and what do you think? I think as an artist, she would have been better off um, by addressing it up front, saying that, um, you know, just casually that she had been, like, doing all sorts of preparations so she won't need to intake or output much. Don't you think? That's that's the legacy of the endurance performance artists that they train, and she's not just sitting there. This was, like, hard work. Well, yeah, yeah, but also, like, don't you think, like, people, like, instead of people asking about, like, what her experience was like or something, they wind up wondering how'd she pee? (laughs) You (laughs) know what I mean? part of the experience. Um, So... With her project, like a lot, of, there was all those photos on the on the Movo website of people like crying and having these like profound existential <laughs> yeah, I know. moments. Was it like that for you with the people you sat across, or what were their reactions? Um, it it varied. It varied. Um, some people. What what I was kind of like a blank slate. See, I wasn't taking myself really seriously. I think Marina was, and that's the way she presented it. So I think if you were spending time with her, you thought it you were you thought it was important. Yeah. So would you talk to the people sitting across from No. You? Okay. You would just would you stare at them? Would you smile? Would you No, face I mean it was pretty motionless. Okay. But um people I knew would talk to everybody people talked. Like some people that I knew would just talk the whole time and then a few people would talk or do things or but I was just, you know, pretty motionless, so it didn't really matter. You know, some people took their clothes off. Some people took their pants down. You know, there was a woman with a uh, – uh, a, um, why do I always blank on this? You know, a par- uh, what are those things that they have? You know, uh, not a parakeet. Like one of those amazing birds. Parrot? No. Um, why do I always – I have a mental block parakeet? about – no, 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 no. You know, with a big fan of like peacock. The, peacock. <laughs> this woman actually has a pet pe- peacock. Oh wow! 
a performance artist who wound up getting it from, I don't know, whatever. D- don't get a peacock for a pet, I'm told. It's not that great for pets. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I've, it's not a problem for me, but <laughs> – so um yeah so it was you know it was um inter- it wasn't in- it was interesting it was and then interesting. there's been a lot of media coverage of the piece how have do you felt that they represented the piece well or do you feel do you, have you enjoyed the coverage or are you feel like they're they're not getting it they're missing it or something well i was really surprised I was afraid of any media coverage or any like, you know, like, I mean, the Daily News and New York Post. I was afraid of that kind of coverage. But um, I was – And why? why? um, Because I was afraid they were just going to say, look at the naked lady on the toilet. Right. Um, But I felt um, it went better than I had anticipated. I was – I'm relieved about it. I felt that, uh, you know, first of all, the first person who I did the interview, you know, I wrote a very specific like press release and about what what I in very plain language about what I was talking about, assuming people didn't know anything. So I tried to make it as clear as I could. And um, my first interview was with Katerina Kosas of the Bushwick Daily. And I mean, we're very good friends. Katerina's a brilliant woman, under, gets everything, wrote um, a great headline, you know, um, and made everything really clear. And so every that was the first story out there. So um, a lot – I think, you know, things – a lot of people use that as a reference. So I, I feel very, very fortunate about that. Get, getting that amount of press in like – as some people say, it's a stunt. You can call – I don't care what you can call it, a stunt or whatever. But um, – uh, is weird because it's like it's very transient. So you know you're getting it for like this seconds, one, yeah. yeah, for like two seconds, and everybody's going whoa, and then it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. So and then what do you you know what do you follow up with? So you you can't like get you know it's weird, but you can't get too attached to it. Um, and, but it's weird for it's weird because mostly it's other people talking about it, you know. Yeah, because I feel like kind of once someone gets a taste of that kind of big viral coverage, I, I, I found a lot of people kind of get hooked on that. Yes. And they want to recreate that over and over yes. and over. And, yes. And that can be really detrimental. Reality show syndrome, I call yes. that. Yes, that's now exactly you were, what it is. Now you were um, on a reality show, which is a product, which is uh, – um, what's the word? Not a product, but um, is a is you know used in your work. I mean, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant. You know, it's a it's brilliant that what how you handled um, your time on a reality show called what was it in Frank's basement? What was it? <laughs> it was called Frank the Entertainer. Dot 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 in a basement affair. Streaming now on Hulu. Ah, well, I'm gonna post your website on my Facebook page so everybody okay. can go there and and look it up. But it's like hilarious. You get thrown off the show. Finally, you decide. I know yeah. from talking to you, you decided you wanted to leave the show. Yeah. And you made that happen by like making artwork out of garbage or something. Oh, no, something that was that was an earlier. I um, or something. That's I sang, how I remembered I it. I sang profanity during a singing challenge. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. It was like so. You totally punked them. Yeah. I mean, similar. Similar. It's it's there. It's 
reality TV, there's a really hard medium to work within. Yeah, I can't imagine. I know that from talking to you, we've talked about this, that it affected you emotionally in a much – it was much more difficult emotionally than you expected it to be, right? Yeah. I, I It's hard when you go into reality TV. You don't know what it's going to be like and then all of a sudden there's so much pressure on you and I wasn't ready for that. Um, I think if I was on in a similar situation now because I already have the experience, mm-hmm. it would be so much easier and so much better. Um Right. In the moment, you're just like, uh, I'm on TV and everyone's watching me and I'm supposed to be like competing for this guy and there's all these girls. Was that crazy when you got all the attention? Did you, I mean, they film it first and then, but was it like weird or how did it affect, how did you feel when you got all that attention? Um, it, um, I didn't get so much, although I was on the soup, which I still, (laughs) to this day, is like, kind of the best thing I've ever achieved. <laughs> well, I wouldn't – I personally disagree with you on that by a long shot, but okay. Well, that's, like, that's like a bucket list thing, like be on the soup. Jeff. Well, I, I I am impressed with many, many, many of your achievements that that are n- have nothing to do with that. But, um, but I lived in Syracuse at the time, ah. so I, I was pretty sheltered from most ah. of it. Um, but I had been – I had gone viral on YouTube before, so I kind of understood what it meant for people to be trolling you all the time. So then when I was getting trolled for being on the reality show, it just – I was kind of used to it at that right, point. Right, right. So didn't now what what did you anticipate? Did you have anticipation about what might happen after being on getting all that media attention? Well, I had hoped that I could uh do like paid appearances. But since I lived in Syracuse, it just like didn't pan out. <laughs> you mean paid appearances? Like you mean like uh, I can know all the reality TV people, especially at that time. That was yeah. It was what what year was that? Two thousand ten. Yeah, so that was so, uh, during kind of what I call the end of the golden age of reality <laughs> TV. and all these just nobodies were getting paid to go to clubs and stuff like that. Yeah, so I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to make some extra money getting paid to show up somewhere. That'd be great, but it didn't really pan out. Did you get contacted by, did you get contacted to do anything extra or did um, the show come and go? Uh, I mean, it's still great material, so it hasn't actually ever left, but. Well, I guess technically because of that experience, that's how I got into that show, Oddities. Remember that show? Yeah, that was great too. Yeah. But you're also a great performer. I mean, I think you've got like amazing charisma on stage and you're, you know, funny and got great personality. I don't think it's like an accident by any means. But yeah, I mean, that's partly why you're a performer because you're good at it and people enjoy watching you. It's not hard. (laughs) But but, um, so... Yeah, but that was what came out of that. Did any, I mean, besides your artwork, was that pretty much? Well, there was kind of a twisted thing where while our show, right before our show shot, uh, went to shoot, we were all waiting in the hotel and kind of this drama unfolded with um, one of their other shows where one of the mm-hmm. contestants, um, they, uh, he had brutally murdered and dismembered his wife. And there was a big manhunt for this Where? guy. And then he ended up killing himself. Um, so th- when that happened, that kind of – that ended the run of these very trashy shows that, ah. v- that VH1 was putting on. Ah. Um, so there could – like 
if that had not happened, theoretically, there could have been more opportunities for me within the reality TV oh, round. Oh, interesting. But my show was the last show of those kinds of shows. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it's reminding me like um, like having dealt with the media before. Like um, when I was um, in 1987, I don't know. Have I told you the story? I'm sure I've talked about it on here where I won that advertising contest and I won $83,000. I must have told you about it. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever. But so I beat up like 12,500 people and I won $83,000 for this. You know, there's more fat on her than on her salami for Hebrew National. They were looking for like, you know, a national. They yeah. It was just an open call to, to the you know, in the papers mm-hmm. and shit. So, um, yeah, so that kind of and then, uh, you know, it did not really help my advertising career whatsoever. Right. So and then, you know, after a couple of months, it all goes away. So and then I lived in fear of not wanting to be the woman who had won the advertising contest for the rest of my life. Right. So that experience kind of shepherded me through it a little bit. But the point also, which reminded me of what, what is that at the time I won the contest, it was the it was like the day before the stock market crash. Okay. Yeah. Of 1987. Yeah. And um, so I was supposed to be on like the Today Show and all the shit, and um, I didn't get the media attention I deserved. I'll yeah. never. No, but it's really funny because I would. It was, you know, it was a big deal, and the money helped and all that. But then but, you ended up going on Letterman. Well, over something completely different. Completely right? different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I it was all kind of even evened out. Yeah, that was no, that was the year before. Oh, okay. Where I was on Letterman, and then I've had a few. You know, I was on uh, the Today Show with that sign that says, "I'm looking for a commitment. I want to get married." I've had, I've, I've <laughs> and man- that worked out too. Well, it took a hell of a long time and a lot of uh, a lot of difficult years, but yes, it did work out. That would the idea was to keep men away. It was stupid, but it was ridiculous. But anyway, so yeah, the whole like media thing. But do you, but did so did you did you feel affected by um, being on the reality show? Like, how did that media and, and all the media attention you got from your you were making you were a web celebrity, right? Yeah. I think it just um, gave me a greater understanding, um, like you're saying, for the media. Like you said before, like. It lasts two seconds and then it goes away and people, you know, think about something else. And, um, well, I think it's a different – it's also a very different thing to be in the spotlight now in the age of the internet when Mm -hmm. you're – everyone and anyone is going to comment in in mostly mean ways about what you're doing. Ah. Um, So I think that's made a big difference and I think getting that – like in 2008 when my YouTube went viral and I was getting trolled all the time mm-hmm. and a lot of violence and negativity towards me. Wow, violence. Yeah, that that helped me. That I experienced that kind of before everyone else did because right. now I feel like every oh. everyone gets that. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or not. Everyone is getting trolled. For sure. Um, so since I had that early on – Dealing with it now is much easier, and I know how to deal with it more. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't take it personally. Yeah, um, don't take it personally. Even and, though it's so personal. And also, <laughs> and also know how to fight back 
too. How do you fight back? Um, it depends on the situation. There's a lot of different scenarios. Um, I, you know, of course, ignoring. Because um, mm-hmm. that's all the only. But like, say, um, like the like the most obvious thing a troll would say is, and this is so not true. But like, let's say they said, "Oh, that girl's ugly on TV." What would you do? Oh, that I would ignore. Okay, because, well, tell me something that you um, would. I think it's more pe- if people that I knew, if it's random people, then I don't really, you know, you just ignore it because mm-hmm. usually it's like a child. A lot of like children are com- are trolls and they'll, sure. they'll say whatever. Because they have the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but if it's someone I know, um, what I like to do, what works well, I found is flirting. Um, Someone you know, I'm like I'm. I can't wrap my brain around that. You 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 actually get negative comments from people you know. They're not not direct. Like that's the thing. Like on you know, like Facebook. Like if people are in like common threads on Facebook, and they might be saying something. That's just ignorant, even if it's Yeah, not, I mean, an artist you know. an artist I know who's a friend of, yeah, she randomly posted something really nasty, like that it was a stupid idea that I did that. So, yeah, exactly. So is that what you're, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, stuff like that. Um, and then there's so much because when I started making the work I was making, no one was really, there was no such thing as a selfie. Mm-hmm. Women, women didn't show themselves on the internet. Mm-hmm. And now that's changed a lot where, you know, there's this thing called like selfie art, selfie feminism. Sure. And there's a lot of people who don't like that and speak out publicly against that kind of art. Mm-hmm. And it really bugs me. Uh, um, and uh, so I don't know. I also have to choose when I take pick up that battle and when I just leave it. So say a friend of a friend, artist friend who you're connected to and, they're, you know, you can see what they said. And they said something like um, negative about a, a work of art you did. Um, would you would you defend that? Might you might you try to work that out or um it really depends who it is in the situation Mm -hmm. i am but what do you mean by flirting with them uh like if if there's a guy who's just like being some how kind of passive aggressive Mm -hmm. or just Mm -hmm. annoying obnoxious saying slightly misogynist Mm -hmm. things that could could kind of be getting Uh, not being misogynist right then you just if you flirt with them uh they get confused (laughs) <laughs> they kind of uh, they kind of calm down um because they're like oh this girl you know she whatever and wants to she she likes me or whatever yeah you know it's funny because this friend of mine posted you know if you're in new york go see lisa lisa levy and she posted you know picture article whatever and one of her friends replied uh, I would go see her if she had bigger tits. And then <laughs> yeah. I wrote under, I replied, that I've never, you know, I mean, I just saw it. And I wrote, um, classy. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, or just even being even more really flirtatious than that. But also I'm someone, I think that there's so many people who aren't afraid to say anything to someone else over the internet. Mm-hmm. And I will not only say anything to you over the internet, I'll also say anything to your face in real life. Oh. And that really scares people. The fact that if someone said something to me online and next time I see them, I'm going to confront them about it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I could imagine you doing that. And reali- being honestly, being on reality TV helped me be able to do that. Really? That's so great. Like what would happen? 
How I think it? being on reality TV is just an experience where you're kind of forced to be confrontational because that's what they want. They want people to be in each other's faces. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this lingering leftover trauma mm-hmm. from that experience because I think that experience mm-hmm. was really traumatic in a lot of ways. Um, I, but, but now I have this urge to always like confront people and be like, no. no. You mean just to just to get the record straight and not – not- it's, it's, it's a form of asserting power over someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's to get the record straight sometimes, but also being like, you think you're going to like. You're not going to be a victim. Exactly. Fuck you. I'm not going to let you boss me around. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna put that one in my hopper. That's, That's really good. fun. Yeah. I love, I love confrontation and I love arguing. Um, so it's like a very natural, fun thing for me. Wow. Well, we haven't really done any of that. Me and you. <laughs> well, no, I'm just kidding. The well, show's gone really pretty smoothly, but we're kind of on the same side. Yeah, I don't have much. No, oh, I know. I did, I did disagree with something you said oh, earlier. Oh, good. What actually. did you? Whoa, please tell us. Yes, so um, you kind of critiqued Marina Abramovich saying that you don't, you haven't liked the way she's handled her fame and her money. And I take issue with that because cool. she, Marina is really the first female huge art star. Right. Um, uh, you know, like, as opposed to, like, the men, Damien Hurst. Yeah, Jeff no, Hughes, no, I agree. Blah, I blah, agree. blah. And yeah. so I think it's unfair that we would say that about her and we wouldn't, you know, with kind of Jeff Koons, Damien Hurst, those kinds of people, it's kind of just like, oh, okay, they're just being guys, whatever. But I feel so many people have been so just upset with the marina yeah. and i feel it is a it's um you know a double standard no i'm glad you, i'm glad you brought that up because um i do want to make that clear because once again we're not going to have an argument about this cuz i agree with you 100% um and and all the i mean i just shorthanded it right here um but to clarify if you look i mean through the materials that i wrote i was not um i was using her as an example but I was talking about, as an example, the art world in general and, you know, um, certainly Damien Hurst and, you know, oh, Jeff Koons and all those people. But it, but I was I – was, I meant what I was doing to be about all of them, not just her. But, of course, I can see how people wouldn't think that. And I'm also a huge fan of her work, which I also tried to make clear. I mean – I have said over and over, like she's a super, she's a pioneer about the work she did. I love, she's a really, really important part of art history. Without without question, I just think that like she cut her, you know, she cut Ule out of the proceeds and the credit. You know this, right? Did you know this? Well, maybe he deserved it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, now we can get in an argument. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea, but. We just well, don't, I don't I don't know. That's why I can't. Yeah, say yeah. What's I mean, right I've done wrong. I've done like like a little bit of research on this, and I'm not an expert by any means. But um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty clear to not make, and I and I agree with you. I mean, Marina. Well, Marina Bramovic is also a really easy target because she doesn't really make expensive looking shit. You know what I mean? Like right, which is why I also like it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I think well. But but then she did wind up – she hasn't actually made expensive – but, I mean, to do a Kickstarter for um, right. her institute is, is really over the top, I think. And, I mean, I get angry when I think about it. I mean, I'll get angry about any her or any of these guys when I think about what they've done. And, like, 
you know, she hasn't really paid people who have performed with her for her. And, you know, there's a lot of complaints about her yeah, in that I, way. But I think there's probably equally as many as about um, a lot of male artists. Um, but what I think is so great about your yeah, the piece that you did in conversation with hers is her piece was about – um, the artist is present. Like, you get to sit with me. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and so she's not vulnerable there. She's a force to be right. reckoned with that you get to deal with. But what I love about – and I love that piece. But what I love about your piece is that yours is like the artist is present. Like, I'm here and and you're so vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, and, that was the uh, – yeah, that was exactly. Me, I love – what I always – uh, I'm always like fighting against is this idea that the artist is like some kind of god or authority figure. We always have to be moral. We always have to be right. We we always have to be helping someone. So I love the idea of just the, the artist being this just vulnerable, pathetic person. Schmuck. Yeah. 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 Hey, I'm just a schmuck. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I have, you know, um, a lot of what I'm obsessed with comes down to like authority issues and ego based on my own childhood and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, my, I, that kind of stuff really pushes my buttons where, um, you know, artists think they're better than other people or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And other or, people think artists are better than them or know everything or are this, uh, some authority on something. Yeah, it's funny. I don't really, you know, it's funny because of, I guess, my own vision of myself. And also, you know, what's weird, what's weird for me um, is that I don't really get invited into anything that has authority. Like, um, we only have like five minutes left. Can you believe this? Um <laughs> So uh, I want to make sure that if there's something else we want to talk about or we want to say like um, where your show is again and stuff like that but um, before we're done. But, um, you know, like you you know, I haven't had any like – you know, I ha- I've had a couple of things at like the Bronx Museum. But I haven't really had – you know, most of the stuff I do, I do on my own. So it's just kind of really funny. Like I don't feel like I have a whole lot of – credentials in a way i mean in a certain way i do of course but i don't you know what i mean Um, it's a weird position for me i think that's a i feel like when i lived in new york that's how i felt as well um and i also think like you have been in like established galleries um so probably a lot of people would look at you from their vantage point and think that you you know you did have those kinds of things maybe maybe not realist i mean you know i don't know i don't know it's funny it's funny because i guess we're artists and then there's also where you can't be an artist it's really hard especially when you're doing work that has a performance aspect to it you you know you are thinking about the audience and your career and we all think about our fucking careers yeah and i mean i think a big i think it's so hard for a performance artist who's solely doing performance work to ever really get very big i agree um you have to do other shit that's what i found as soon as i started doing other shit all these doors opened up yeah certainly i mean yeah i mean i um yeah, making things is important, doing doing other things. But I also think just performing, like I didn't start out performing at all. I started out just doing visual work. I think just performing would be really like not satisfying. I think it's an yeah. aspect 
to like the year before I this year I did 2015 was all performing but the year before that I did no performing it was all like visual crap so let's talk let's just make sure because I want um I want people to go see this show at American Medium yeah. which is a gallery in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, no, and it's in, in Bed Stuy. Bed Stuy. I always get those two yeah. confused. Okay, so tell, like, just announce it again, please. Sure. So the show is a formidable daughter. It's a solo show of my work. It's at American Medium, which is at four two four Gates Avenue in Bed Stuy. And, and uh, it opens. It opens on Friday, February twelfth. At what time do you want people to come to the opening? Six, six to eight. You want? Do you want them to come? Oh, sorry. The opening is seven to ten. You want them to come? Yeah, of course. Okay, so come. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. I'm actually having a little problem at home with this because Phil, my husband, is having a, a catalog launch of a show that he's in oh, no. at Front Room. So, I mean, an opening with somebody that I don't get to see very often whose work I'm dying to look at is, you know, I mean, that's important. I've explained that to him. But I think I might have to make t- both both um, events, which means driving and shit. I was going to say you have a car. You I know. Crazy. I know. I know. I don't know how I'm going to exactly do it. But um, if Phil, if you're listening, you know, I do care. It's not that I don't care. Don't think I don't care. It's just like, you know, your show's been up. We've been to a few things there. And uh, you have to, you know, you have to understand. Yeah. Do you ever get in that? Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's more the opposite way where with Gene, he'll be like, do I have to come to this? And I'm uh, like, no, you don't have to come to this. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I never make Phil good at anything. No, yeah. no. So do you do – um? so what's next? Are you doing any – what's going on in L.A. after when you get back? Um, I'm working on another piece for a show in London. Wow, that's so cool. Where in London? Um, it's uh, I don't know. It's not. I don't know if it's public information. Oh, uh, all right, all right. Yeah, so I shouldn't say. Well, um, I'll, I'll link to your website so people can go there and find yeah, out. Although I haven't updated it in two years, but that's all okay. right, that's okay. Um. So that's next on the horizon. And that's then, exciting. And then some other things. I I don't know. I'm I. You know, we were talking about how I have this full time job. Yes. So I, I know. I wanted people to, to like, know that that like Anne is doing all this with a full time job. So you guys got to get your asses in gear. What do you yeah. do? Um, I thirty seconds. I'm an office manager. No, an office manager for who? Uh, at a university. And and. Uh, and uh, somebody, you know, it's so. Is that a lot of responsibility? I think so. Yeah, yeah. sure. That's an authority job. Yeah, sort of. Uh, an it's, office it's manager. It's mainly an organizational. It's like a micro. I'm like a micromanager. Ah, I would never get hired for a job like that. I'm really, really. Good I can at barely it. handle my responsibilities here at the radio station, <laughs> even though I'm struggling as hard as I'm running as fast as I can. 